Hi guys and welcome to another episode of Tea Talks with Guru, where you get to listen to some pretty good book reviews while learning more about one of the most famous beverages in the world, tea. I'm your host, Ex Guru, and today we have another one of my friends with us, and we'll be reviewing Prince of Thorns with me. Gabby, why don't you introduce yourself to everyone? Hi, I am Gabby. Technically it's Gabrielle, but I don't like being called Gabrielle. <laughs> uh, let's see, I... I really like tomatoes, that's my thing, and soup, <laughs> and fantasy novels, namely fantasy <laughs> novels, romance novels, uh, anything outside of that, like it really has to be a mood, <laughs> like a very specific thing I'm looking for outside of that. Fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> you know it, you, you fed specific <laughs> no to be fair I read everything I think my list of red books speaks for itself I read everything I know but I could go to you and say you know hey I'm I'm feeling in the mood for zombies I'm uh, feeling in the mood for like naga and snakes or like I'm feeling for like <laughs> and anyway okay so here's here's these books like you could try these I'll email them to <laughs> I'm a book dealer. It's better than being a drug dealer. So, you know, if you need any recommendations, I'm your person. Um, so aside from today's book, being courtesy of Gabby, you'll should thank her about on to her greatness. Um, today's tea is also courtesy of Gabby and it's Indian chai. So a couple of facts about it. Indian chai boosts heart health. It's rich in antioxidants as most teas are. And it's also really good for your skin and your teeth. Another fun fact, chai is the Hindi word for tea. So when you say chai tea, you're just basically saying tea tea, which sounds kind of stupid when you realize it. And Indian chai is a delicious blend of black tea, milk, and spices, which originated in India, hence the name. And it's now become kind of like a global trend for people who like tea and people who kind of want to be more in touch with Indian culture, aside from just eating curry and samosas. So now that... (laughs) So now that we have our tea, let's dive into our book. And our book today is Prince of Thorns by Mark Lawrence. It's part of a trilogy, the Broken Empire series, and we're starting with the first book, Prince of Thorns. So we have a lovely, bloodthirsty 13-year-old, I think. Named he's 14 at the start of the book. My, my bad, my bad. Basically, he's a teen, and his name is Jog. And... He's just horrible. He's a horrible person. There's no way to like. There's no way to spin it that he's a good person. He isn't. He's horrible. He embraces it. He is, but I don't think that he's like entirely unredeemable. Like he obviously is not gonna get like a whole redemption arc that like the average book would give you. Mm-hmm. But you could see that he does have some reserves. It was it here where like he with the kid. Yeah, so that um, he gave the toy and the clove because she was sick. That was yeah, she was yeah, she was sick, and he could at that point he had um eaten the he had already eaten the heart of the necromancer, so he could have sensed when death was close, and he saw that the child was close to dying, so he left this toy for her, and then again, I guess he could kind of see that he wasn't completely without feeling when he um saw the brothers uh you, the lecrota i think you call them or something to that extent it was yeah 
these humans who were um, affected by a chemical spill, for lack of better words. It's was, it was like radiation, like radioactive um, stuff that was going it, on there. I believe this setting of the world, I, at first I thought it was like old era, kind of in medieval times. I thought so too, it's yeah, post-apocalyptic. Yeah, it's yes. post-apocalyptic and these builders. So basically it's kind of like the earth was very futuristic and then something happened and it wiped out like all the progress humanity had made technologically, innovation, anything like that. And they basically called that um, breed, for lack of better words, humans, builders. Yeah, and they referred to the event as something with like a thousand builder sons or some, or the day of a thousand mm-hmm. sons, where like those sons would sort have of probably just been like um, bombs, most mm-hmm. likely, like bombs or like nuclear stuff. Because um, like if you continue reading on and they describe the setting more, you would have seen that like they would have mentioned uh, Africa, mm-hmm. but it was, I think it was the, Af- the French word for it, but like you describe it like, yeah, like how you, when you go there, like your teeth would fall out and your oh hair would yeah, drop yeah, off because it was such yeah. high radiation. <laughs> I think know? it was already, it was a really cool setting to be in, honestly. Yeah. I, I've never considered like having futuristic elements meshed with post-apocalyptic elements. I never really considered that. It's always Same. been like, futuristic or steampunk or um sci-fi it's never i've never thought of that mesh and i thought it was really cool to like see it come into play here yeah especially since they went so far back to where like it's as you said it's like a kind of medieval setting and Mm -hmm. they didn't understand yeah and they didn't understand like how the roads were built where it's just like paved like normal Mm -hmm. paved roads but they call it like builder roads where like yeah the flagstones, so to speak, were like so close together, even when they were describing um Tall Castle. Mm-hmm. Like he described it as like, you know, the rock and the bars in between, where it's just, I'm sure it's just concrete Definitely, and the, yeah. <laughs> the foundation. Yeah. I thought that was really cool. Um, And then to actually like go into the mind of Jog and see how his thought process was, I think it's I think it's really impeccable for somebody so young. And he definitely has his priorities in order. He wants to get revenge and he's working towards that. Maybe not in the most um, legal manner, but I don't think the laws are the same at that point in time in that world. Plus he's yeah. a friend, so. The thing too that I, I like, uh, I'm a sucker for books that end the way they start. And the start of this book, you know, Jog says that he wants to be king. He said when he's 15, he would be king. And the book <laughs> ends with he him being king. 15 and he was king. And I, I like that kind of uh, roundedness Fore- with the story. Foreshadowing. foreshadowing, yes. But also, I don't know, it just feel like a complete cycle, like a full circle in our I story. Understand, I understand. You know? And then together with Jog, you have his... Um, the captain of the guard at that time was sent Mackin. out to get Yeah, Mackin. And he ended up falling into Jog's trap and he had to stay with him for that period of time. But I think he actually um, felt some kind of kinship with Jog when he saw that, you know, he was set in his mind to get revenge on his own for his um, mother and brother because um, this dude, Count, the Count of Rina, who's actually his uncle 
um, ordered his Jog's mother and his little brother to die. And Jog was supposed to die as well. But then he got snagged in a briar patch and he ended up surviving, unfortunately. Yeah, it was actually surprising for everyone involved because uh, apparently once you get caught in those trees, you don't get out alive. Yeah, and, and I think it was poisonous as well. So after he survived, he had to he, cope with blood loss and yeah. fever and delirium. So, and his father and, had essentially given up on him at that mm-hmm, point. Mm-hmm. And he only fueled the heat. Yeah, he only came back when... um. It was certain that his heir would survive. But I don't think he and Jog met because I think Jog left before his father came back, I think, if I'm remembering that correctly. I can't remember. I do remember that he his actual leaving was when he met the brothers in the dungeons. Mm-hmm. He, yeah. he took his teacher, is it Lundist? Or yeah, something Lundist. like that, to go because he wanted to see and uh, you know he met the newborn there because mm-hmm. the newborn um, was in the process of being tortured. tortured yeah and then he helped them break out and he went with them and after the first uh scene you see where he's sneaking around with the brothers he ends up sticking with the newborn and he actually forms a kind he forms a fondness for him as you see in the entire mm-hmm. book and they end up meeting this hunter that was sent by a dream witch. And I believe the dream witch, they find out later that it was actually um, Sagius, who is a pagan. Yeah. So and he was trying to get close to his father. Mm-hmm. And this other dream witch, Corian, who was um, basically the dream witch for Count, the Count of Rena, he... Uh, was trying to get his uh, claws into Jog. I'm not sure if he was a dream witch, actually. Because I, if, if I, I noticed like all the different like mages, magicians, or whatever, like the term is for them there, because I noticed that they all go by different names. Mm-hmm. Like they all have a different specialty. And like his particular one, that other guy, like his one was dreams. But the other one, he's more seen to be able to like implant those sorts of thoughts and feelings, like how he had that driving, like that most of Jog's like drive to actually like take revenge was what that thing put in there in him because he was trying to make a puppet out of him. But I then, because if, as he pointed out for himself, right, even though he had that drive in him, he never once actually approached the castle. He was doing mm-hmm. everything else for those four years. And, and even then, at the start, when he met the undead army on the road, it was mm-hmm. him who, who chased it away and not George himself, as he wanted to believe. <laughs> and I believe when after Jog, um, it's, I think he raised Galet, Galeta. I think that's the name of the, she raised one of the towns to the ground and then he came back because that was, he made a deal with his father that if he could retrieve this town, then... It wasn't a kingdom or something, like a fortress? Something to that extent, but he yeah. didn't, his father didn't specify whether he wanted everybody alive or not and 
Jaws did deliver, um, no matter that the kid, well, that the fortress wasn't standing anymore. And his father actually went back and he stabbed him. And it was when Jaws was so close to that that he was able to uh, overcome that heavy persuasion by Corian and actually recognize that he was being used as a puppet, as you said. So I think that was, uh, I didn't expect that, honestly. I didn't expect him to like have all those things going on. I just thought that um, it was going, he was going along with his own thing, honestly. So it was yeah. a It makes sense to when you really think about it, because sometimes when you saw so many flashbacks, like the flashbacks to four years ago when he knew Newman was going out and stuff and Oh, he couldn't really piece together what was really going on. But he even still was disjointed. Yeah. The <laughs> capturing of the fortress, it was it was good and it was sad at the same time because the new one died. And yeah, then the little sad. girl died as well. Was it Sally? Uh, some Sally. basic name, Jenny. Sally, Sarah. Something I can't remember, but I, it, was I, a, it was a normal, easy name. But, you know, she, I, it was kind of sad because they both kind of stimulated, like, the good side of him. They appealed to the humanness that wasn't gone at that point, I guess. Yeah, because the new one was kind of like, in a sense, he was one of, like, his moral compasses because he didn't mm-hmm. like to do things that he thought new one would disapprove of mm-hmm. even though they were all horrible like mm-hmm. new one did try to like kind of Be keep him horrible. on track to some extent even mm-hmm. Mackin as well he also didn't really like to do certain things that Mackin would have entirely disapproved of yeah like, that, that's true that's true and then you but get you, to see little footnotes at the end of um each of the chapters. With some of the brothers. Yeah, I thought it was a really cute um addition to the book. It made it unique and it made it stand up. Well, in addition to Jog being so he wasn't even morally gray. He's like black to less black. I wouldn't say he's black. I would say he's a really dark gray. Because if he was entirely black. Like, like I said, like he wouldn't have had any form of that kind of humanness there to him that you could kind of look and see, like, okay, you know, like, because even with, with how he would, it's what I put it, like the reaction he had when he saw like the little child died, like the one who used to glow and stuff, whose name mm-hmm. neither of us could remember, like <laughs> he described it as like you could see her broken body there between the stones and stuff. And you could kind of tell a little bit that it kind of slightly bothered him in a sense, but like obviously not enough that he would like change something about. Yeah, he wouldn't change about it. He would do it all over again. But he'd feel that sense of guilt and he'd carry it with him. I understand, I understand. And then, well, that's his relationship with um, the people he met when he was going to raise the fortress. But he also made relationships with them. people at Tall Castle that were there. So he has this new step-aunt, I believe, that would be the term. Yeah. Patron. And 
at first he think at first i thought she was his sister and I, then when i was reading his thoughts i was like please dear god no <laughs> that was my entire thought process please dear god no we already have a lot of trigger warnings we don't need one more Uh, but then you find out he's a um she's his aunt and I was like it's less horrible than I thought but still could have been worse so I accepted it I accepted it and then I continued and you see uh, that I have just such mixed feelings about Catherine like I think she's annoying honestly but she's, I, she's I recognize her Yeah, and the second book of character development was like, eh. Because she turned into a, a mage too, right? Like she learned to use like some form of magic and stuff because any second book job was trying to figure out what the hell she was trying to tell him to do. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I understand she went through a lot of trauma and stuff. But I was like, my God. <laughs> I need I need Jog to move on. I need him to actually like the person he ended up marrying because she seems like a good a good deal despite the age difference. Oh my, I <laughs> honestly I I don't know if I would have preferred never to like have realized there was a post apocalyptic world cuz that just makes it worse. At least if it was like medieval, I could accept it. In post apocalyptic I'm just like I don't know how to I don't know how to mesh these two ideas together, you know. I think it's just easy to imagine it as uh medieval because of just how far back they regressed because like they've lost all of like their science and technology and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. At best they were able to keep like a, like a little bit of math because I noticed that like in one of the books he was doing a lot of math like he was talking about a lot of math and like he mm-hmm. And like philosophy and stuff like that because you know I did think it was weird that a lot of the philosophy and stuff survived in response to like the more recent works because he spoke about Socrates I think and yeah the book that he carries with him because like he has a book in his saddlebag or he had a book in his saddle he should take really good care of like mm-hmm. he just a whole paragraph describing how he the lengths he goes to keep this book alive and it was written in high latin where is it he said where is it i had a page right here just reading that because he was saying it was written in high latin and not some watered down pigeon um that they would have been taught by the church but I do think that the church would have had a part to play in that because they said when the whole thousand sons thing happened that the Vatican went and recalled all the Bibles. Wow, okay, okay. Well, I think that it, it was a really good um, Easter egg in the whole thing, for lack of better words. And I didn't, one of the things that I didn't um, recognize until later down was the fact that Jog and the Count of Rina had such a close relationship. I thought that he was just um, after him because of the fact that he murdered his family, but to recognize that it was somebody they trusted so closely, I could reckon, I could understand why the need for revenge drove him so hard to, you know, actually get it. And I think that's also his personality. Fair enough, fair enough. And then he was just, I, I don't know if he, he was really that um, 
skill that's actician or if it was just dumb luck that got him through so much and got him through not dying i think it's a bit of both because like i i did like i acknowledged throughout like reading the entire thing that he has a way of retaining information and he is really good at connecting dots so i would say he is cunning but he also has a very high intelligence because he did he did all of that and he was 14 at the time <laughs> you know and like think about like what kind of knowledge 14 year old you had compared to how much stuff he retains at 14 much less for throughout the rest of the book so i do think that like well he did have an aspect of dumb luck because he clearly didn't understand half of the things he was reading when his science stuff came up mm-hmm. so i said as he grows and as he actually able to develop and like learn more and gain more experience and stuff to go along with that that he would turn out into be a very good practitioner especially since like a bit of part of how like he doesn't really have much emotional attachment to some people mm-hmm. to most people because like he's just seeing statistics you know yeah, and, and uh, that could be good for a ruler honestly it could be good i mean it's i mean obviously we know it's bad because you need to see people as people mm-hmm. but for the purpose of achieving his goal it works out it does it honestly does Another interesting thing, too, is the fact that he did all of that and he actually had no formal, like, sword training. Yeah, that, that honestly is a Because he lost point to that him. Prince Galen. He lost to Galen yeah. because he did not know sword play. And then he tried to rectify that immediately after. That's his second <laughs> book. Honestly, that's his second book. I honestly, I, I can I um, admire the fact that as soon as he sees his shortcomings, he works very avidly to correct them to the best. Yes, I will give him credit for that. So, I, and that is, honestly makes for a good future ruler. And I don't doubt that he ends up becoming an emperor, whether it be for a month or a day or a minute. I'm sure he's going to achieve it. That's true. Like, even at least, even if it's for a second, even if they just put that crown on him and then someone stops him immediately after. He, he would get there. Yeah, yeah. And but I think honestly, that's the I like him as a protagonist. Like you told me, so many people said they hated him, but they hated how he had like little to no moral compass. But honestly, if this was under another genre other than like, what genre is this under? If this was under something like dark romance with the same trigger warnings, people would read it. So that's all I have to say. I could kind of understand to an extent, because I mean. Look at that other book that, um, what was it? The one that I told you, I would have given it like three and a half stars if I could. Um, um, we read a lot. We read a lot. Oh, the one with the, damn it. With the, ah! The, the second book is Vicious Queen. The first book was with Marcelo and, Dear God, it's all in my head. But that particular um, thing where, like, I didn't really like it because I was like, dear God, these people are just horrible. And they robbed me in all the wrong ways. Like, 
like yeah you know we romanticize those things in books but like I didn't truly really like their characters at all like I could I see that I had yeah. books like that as well sometimes like it's not your writing your writing could be wonderful but you meet a character that crawls your blood it's like people sometimes I meet somebody that you just can't like no matter how much you try to make yourself like them but they were all to me like all the male crackers that like were in the harem like they were just bad like the way they were acting and everything but like but I didn't get that feeling with Jog like he didn't just you know like make my hair stand on edge <laughs> even though he did have like um you know those attributes and that sort of thing I mean I want to be friends with him in person obviously he'd probably do something to me but I as a character you know I could cruel princess that was the name of the book um but uh you know you I didn't get that the joke and I think I, that he's, I, I think that he's a horrible person but I can accept the fact that he has some attributes that would be very very useful to ruler and I can also acknowledge and accept the fact that he knows what he wants and he's very very efficient in getting there so I can yeah he's good to follow along like it doesn't feel like a drag it doesn't feel like you know like he's just being malicious just because and even though sometimes he can be that way like you could clearly see how he logics out every Mm -hmm. single thing he does like he says that he thinks it through each little step and he doesn't really do things impulsively for the most part he's not I don't think he's impulsive I think he's reckless I, I think he's just reckless. Well, yes, it's reckless because sometimes he doesn't have all the information. He still has to make a decision. But mm-hmm. he works with what he does have, however. Like, I will give him credit for he that. I think, we, well, I think we covered all the bases for um, Prince of Thorns, honestly. Uh, so I think that concludes today's episode. Anything else you want to add, Gabby? No, I just think everybody should read it. <laughs> I agree, seconded. You almost listened to Gabby. Um, so you can find this episode along with others on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and the Acast platform. If you like this episode and feel so obliged, give me a follow at Peter Sukuro. And as always, if you have any books you'd like reviewed or you want to review with me on the show, just message me. So until next time, say bye, Gabby. Bye. <laughs>